If you've been going around the good old internet looking for the right podcast to fulfill your New York Yankees needs, well, I'll be the first to deliver the good news to you. You have found it. Here on Yapping Yankees with me, your host, Mike Scudero, you and I will be discussing the latest news, takes, and talk throughout the entire Yankee universe. Oh, and there may be some ranting on my behalf. Yeah. Anyway, what do you say we get to it? Let's get to yapping! Well, hello there, my fellow Yankee fans, and welcome to episode 184 of the Yappin' Yankees podcast, where we yap about the Yanks and nothing but those Yanks. As always, I am your host, Mike Scudero, here on the fourth day of June in 2023. It is June, wow. Third month of the Major League Baseball season, guys. Hope you're all doing well. The Yankees, obviously, a midst a West Coast trip right now, and I'm actually recording earlier in the day before the game tonight because obviously the game starts at around 10 after 7 tonight. It's an ESPN game, as all Sunday night games usually are, and I'm recording earlier for two reasons. One, because whenever usually there is a Sunday night game, most of the time I record beforehand because I could either record afterwards and not get this episode out to you until the middle of the night, which I don't want to do, or... I usually just record, I'll, I'll work, sometimes record while the game is going on and give you like in real time reactions to the game. I've done that plenty of times on Yapping Yankees, especially with even Sunday afternoon games in the past, but I'd rather just get it out of the way earlier in the day today for that reason, because there is a night game, but also for another reason, and this is going to nicely segue me into my next point. Now, if you're listening to this episode after reading the episode description or seeing what I talk about in the show based on my off my social media promotion or whatever it is, seeing the points that I make when I discuss what I speak about in the episode upon releasing it, you'll know that the very first point that I put, no matter where you saw that, was a big personal announcement. And this is also the second reason for why I'm recording prior to the game today and why I will continue to do that every Sunday afternoon from now on. I wanted to wait a while before revealing this information because as of this week, it is finally official, number one. And number two, it's not until now that it's really going to be affecting when I record every Sunday. So now I feel that especially since it's a new month and everything, we're about halfway through the year now, if you can believe it. I figured that now would be a good time to reveal my announcement. I teased this on Twitter a couple of weeks ago. Some of you may remember it, especially if you follow me closely on Twitter. If you don't, at Mike Scudero, go ahead and follow me because it is the biggest following I have on any social media platform. But anyways, I did tease this big personal announcement of mine on Twitter a couple of weeks ago. And I'm finally going to tell you what it is. Not going to jerk your chain anymore. Here we go. For a while now, you guys know or at least most of you know, especially if you follow me closely, that I have been working in radio for quite a long time. I've been doing radio work since my college days, since the very the, since the genesis of my college days, which goes back to about eight years ago when I was a freshman in college. So I've been doing radio stuff for a long time. And even if you want to say that, oh, Mike, you know, college radio isn't real radio. Well, I've been in real radio for a few years, too. I've been in real radio in the industry for nearly a half a decade, about four years now. And for about three, two and a half to three of those years, I was a midday producer and board operator slash engineer 
for a radio station out east on Long Island called LI News Radio. And if you live out on eastern Long Island, you may have even heard of this station at one point or another. I don't know. But I was that position for about two and a half to three-ish years. And then after that, I was promoted to program director and operations manager of the station and did that for about uh, just under a year and a half, around a year and a half. And that brings us to live time. And the reason that's past tense is because I am no longer in that position. I've alluded to the fact on this show and even on my social medias and everything that running a radio station was very difficult, as you could probably imagine. And as it should be, you're running a radio station. It's a lot. I was running the entire station. I was the reason the station was on the air, as it was for all program directors and operations managers before me, and as it will be for any ones after me, including the one that took over for me just now. I just finished my two weeks, my final two weeks after I gave my notice three weeks ago as of tomorrow, which is also why I waited to give this announcement. I wanted to do it after the two weeks was officially done. And my new boss at my new job gave me a very well-needed week off in between jobs just this past week in which I was able to enjoy life and be in a peaceful state of mind that I have forgotten about for the better part of nearly two years. I forgot that life actually has good aspects to it. Now, my goal here is not to sound morbid, but I'd be lying to you if I told you that the job that I just got out of allowed me to live any sort of a life whatsoever. And I do feel that a person at my age, in their mid-20s-ish, should be in a job like this for at least a certain amount of time so you could really learn to truly appreciate what hard work is. And I have to experience what real hard work is. And working around the clock, working weekends, working holidays, not going on vacation for a while, making your sacrifices, paying your dues. And that is more than what I have done. And I'll leave it vaguely at this. When you realize in a company after you've done a certain amount of work and there is little recognition, little appreciation... And really at the point that you're at, no real room for corporate or financial growth. Basically looking at a dead end, it may be time to move on. And that's the realization that I hit. And I don't need to tell anybody in the industry this, but radio is very difficult. It's very unforgiving. It's oftentimes thankless. I'm not trying to shame the industry to anybody. And if you do make it in the industry, it could be very good. No denying that. But... Especially after what I had been through in this job with the hours, with the lack of everything I just said. And you're realizing that the job is a bit of a dead end and you get another opportunity that seems very nicely, even if it is in another field, you'd be a fool not to take it. And that's really where I found myself. So from a primary standpoint, the announcement is that as of this week officially, I have left radio for now. And going forward, I actually have a really good in for the finance field, which I have no experience in, but my new boss believes in me a great deal because she's happened to have been witness firsthand to my work ethic for a few years now. And my work ethic is top tier. And believe me when I say that I'm a very grounded and probably one of the least egotistical people that you would cross paths with in your life. So I say this with the utmost of humility. But objectively, and anybody who works with me at any point in their life could attest to this, 
my work ethic is God tier. Even if you don't take care of me, I believe, like I said before, in paying your dues and putting in the hard work, even if the benefits of that work, the fruits of that labor are not great, at least to start. So imagine what you're going to get when you take care of me. This new job is a good opportunity for me in the finance field. The possibilities are completely and utterly limitless. So I'm really looking forward to it, pursuing this new career of mine from a primary standpoint. Now, when it comes to radio and broadcasting work, and even this podcast, what does it mean for this podcast, you might add? Well, it means absolutely nothing. This podcast is still going to be continuing. I have all the time in the world for it, especially even more so now that my hours are going to be more stabilized and consistent, because before, in the program director and operations manager job, guys, I kid you not, and you can ask anybody in my life if you don't believe me, who's always around me. I worked on weekdays, on and off, from the better part of 8.45 in the morning, all the way through to doing my last night check for the night at around 1 o'clock in the morning. All those hours, on and off the computer, having to be in the office most days, and, and covering people when they're out because I was the manager and I ran a staff and all that stuff. So, the responsibilities were... To say they were a lot, or even to a degree unreasonable, is probably the understatement of my entire life. And I even had to do work on weekends, always have to be on call in case anything goes wrong. Didn't have holidays. Even on the biggest of holidays that you could think of, imagine, whether it be Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's, Fourth of July, Labor Day, Memorial Day, whichever holiday you want to throw out there, whichever one you want to. I had to do at least a little bit of work on that, check on the system, do my thing. In five years, I have been on one vacation, one. So this is what I mean when I say, listen, I believe everybody should have to pay their dues and make their sacrifices wherever necessary. It's part of hard work, and I'm okay with that. But you also have to know that if you were in my shoes at any point, you also have to draw the line and know when you are being taken advantage of. It's very important because you don't want to cross the line that separates hard work from borderline lifelessness and being taken advantage of in every single which way you could possibly imagine. You don't want to do that. And when you realize that you may be headed down that path, it's up to you to make that change, especially if you're fortunate enough for it to be presented to you. And that's more the realm I found myself in. So I did my time, did the hard work, got no regrets. And it's really sick. It's awesome to be able to go around to people and say, listen, I ran a radio station for a year and a half about, and I was a manager of someone I had no managerial experience prior, especially actually in the industry. I was an assistant manager for my college's radio station, and that was great too. But in the actual industry itself, and on Long Island, I got, which is New York City's backyard, and New York City's the number one market, as we all know, I got to be the manager of a radio station, be responsible for a staff, be the main reason the station is running, and made the sacrifices that I made and really got a true appreciation and outlook on what real hard work is. But then also it's on you to also realize when you are being taken advantage of 
when you don't have a life for an extended amount of time, when that work may not be paying off, and to make a change. And if you happen to be in a similar position in your life and you happen to be coming across this lecture that I'm saying, then take this as a sign, I guess, if you believe in that stuff, to make a change like I am. So I'm going into the finance field. I'm going to be working with a person who actually cares about my well-being, taking care of me, and continuing my hard work into another field, yes. But my work ethic, my ability to self-teach even when needed, and my ability to work as a team, individually, the whole deal. Especially when I know the people around me genuinely care for me and appreciate the work that I am doing. And if I, especially if you're also being taken care of properly financially. Well, it's needless to say that that's only going to encourage and motivate someone like me to work even harder than I already can and have. So I'm very, very excited for this new opportunity. I'm starting tomorrow and it is going to be a nine to five and it is a commute like I have been commuting like crazy to my jobs and even college for the better part of the last near decade, believe it or not. My commutes have been crazy. I guarantee that if you pull almost any other 26-year-old off the street anywhere, you line up every 26-year-old, I guarantee that I have probably put more mileage on the cars that I have had in the last 8 to 10 years. In the time I've been on the road since college, I have put more mileage on all the cars that I have had from 18 years old to now than almost any other 26-year-old out there. That's how much commuting I've done in the last eight years. Let me put it into perspective for you. In the last three and a half years alone, I have driven almost 65,000 miles. Okay? Now imagine all the other years along with that. So commuting's fine. But because the job is at nine, and this commute is still going to be extreme, I'm going to have to be up every morning, and I know there are people out there who get up even earlier than this, so you're not going to sympathize with me or anything or feel bad for me, but I'm going to have to be up in the early 7 o'clock hour, early to mid if I want to push it, but early 7 o'clock hour this would be safer, obviously, every weekday morning. And that also means that on Sunday night, it's probably better that I just record earlier in the day on Sundays instead of working late into Sunday night with editing and releasing and getting it out to you late at night like I usually do. I want to and should be getting ready for bed around that time that I usually put it out, like in the 11 o'clock hour, give or take. I should be getting ready for bed at the very least around that time and getting ready for my work week and getting up early for the next five days or however many days I'm working that week, depending if there are any holidays or anything. Point is, because of the new hours, granted, thankfully, they are a lot more stable and consistent than the program director operations manager job. Because of the time I'm getting up each day, it will have me recording Yapping Yankees earlier in the day. So I hope that makes more sense for my reasoning for recording earlier from now on. So that's my big announcement. Going into a new field, pursuing something different from a primary standpoint. When it comes to radio, again, I still intend to do some things on the side, whether even be maybe getting an occasional on-air shift somewhere, just maybe like a day or two a week, perhaps. I don't know. We'll see. Or even just doing voiceover stuff on the side, because I love doing that stuff. I've voiced many commercials in my young life, and it's great. I even had, I even had some commercials for my college airing on News 12 for years. It was my voice. People recognize, oh my God, that's Mike's voice. <laughs> People that I know in my personal life just happened to be watching News 12 and heard my voice during a commercial break. 
Like, I've done that a lot. I even voiced a bunch of ads at this radio station that I just got done working at for almost five years. I've done that a great deal. Obviously, I do this show. I do a lot of voice work. I've done sports talk shows at my college station. I've even been on the air on other people's shows when I was a producer at this station before I became the program director and operations manager. So I've done a lot with my voice, and I'd love to continue to do that on the side as a side opportunity, even if freelance. It's fun stuff. I love doing that. So radio is not being completely abandoned. And if this podcast or any of that side work I'm to do in the future is to take off and lead to anything else, great. That's awesome. But I really hit a point where I realized that I needed to make a change based off of where I was with this job and the positioning it had me in life. It wasn't working out. I had put my time in and it was time to move on. I wanted to do the job for at least a year when I first started it. I did, for, I did it for over a year, well over a year, and it was time to go. And granted, this is a new field, new opportunity. There is nervous excitement there, as there is with anything else for anyone when they're going into something new, but I am excited nonetheless. It's not a negative nervous excitement. It's definitely a positive, especially because of the kind of person I'm going to be working for who is totally different than almost anybody else I have worked for in the sense that they care about me and... They're willing to take care of me and guide me. Just the whole nine yards. Anything that you could ask for out of a boss that I tried to do in my time as a boss at the radio station. And the vast majority of my staff there, I'm very glad to say, told me upon announcing that I was leaving that I was the best boss that they ever had. Because I am just of the belief that you work hard, get the work done, and otherwise, let's have a good time and not be miserable because we all have enough going on in our own lives, right? On top of what you might already be having to go through in your personal life. It's just not necessary. Go to work, work hard, get it done. Otherwise, let's work hard and play hard. Let's, that's what I believe in. It's a good philosophy to live by. There's no need to go to work, treat people harshly, have to be miserable every day and just work and do nothing else, not have a personality, just go through the motions, be a robot. No, that's not what it should be about. So I made it as fun an environment as it could be while making sure that the work gets done and gets done correctly to the best of everybody's ability. And this new boss that I have believes in very similar philosophies, so we align. And it's just, it's just a good opportunity. It really is. And especially because of how well I'm being taken care of on top of that with the hard work I'm ready to put in and the recognition and the appreciation, I'd be a fool not to take it. Just trust me. Without getting into too much detail, specific, vivid detail, I would have been an idiot to turn away from it. So, other than affecting when I record this show each Sunday, when it's going to be out to you and whatnot... Yapping Yankees is continuing, guys. Again, especially because my life is going to be more stable and consistent hour-wise with work. Even if I do take on some additional side work, I'll be sure to balance it all. But for now, my full focus is going to be towards this, of course, especially when I'm starting out. It'll need my full focus. And that's the way it's going to be. So Yapping Yankees is continuing. It's not in any danger whatsoever. I will still be here the vast majority of Sundays throughout the entire year. So you do not have to worry about that. And in the same light, just know, and I know a lot of people, this will mean a lot to a lot of people because fortunately, not only do I have a very closely knit, really loyal fan base for this show and overall, but they actually care about me on a personal level too. Just know that I'm going to be much happier with this. 
It's going to suck having to get up early again because I'm not a morning person. But you know what? If that's all I have to sacrifice and maybe just drive a few extra miles in order to achieve happiness and true tranquility in my life and financially and all that other stuff in order to really find true happiness and live a life that I could be proud of, I'll do it. Wake up early as you want, as early as you want me to, as long as it's not before like 6.30 in the morning. Anyways, <laughs> but just know that I'm going to be in a much better place than I have been this last year and a half or so. I mean, you'd hear you'd hear me come on this show a lot, talk about, you know, I would have liked to have done that, but I just didn't have time for it because my job got in the way. It's not going to be the case anymore. The fact that I'll actually have weekends, holidays, paid holidays even, and be able to go on vacation again, and being able to actually, like, leave work and come home and not have to worry about turning on my computer to work on and off again for the next six or seven hours until one o'clock in the morning and having to be up early the next day to load in a sports report and just be on top of everything in case anything happens. Manage the schedule. Make sure everything's going on okay down at the studio. And just all the stuff that went into this job. I could talk your ear off for hours on the responsibilities. And yeah, I took it on. I knew what it was going to be. I was going to be a manager of a radio station, no less. And which is a lot more complicated than a lot of other managerial positions because radio never stops. But nonetheless, I could talk your ear off for a long time about my responsibilities and even the unreasonable parts of it. Like I just told you, the schedule that came with it. The fact that I could come home at night after work is done and just be able to relax and maybe just watch the Yankees or just maybe just grab a workout and not try to figure out Oh yeah, I could step away from my laptop for about an hour and a half. Let me bang out a quick workout and then I got to work more after that and be on and off, be next to my laptop until one o'clock in the morning. No, it's all done. It's done. I could come home and just do my thing on Sundays. Now I could get my Saturdays back as being the only day I could breathe. That's fine. Sundays, I could fully focus on yapping Yankees and enjoying the Yankees and enjoy the Sunday again. I could have holidays where I could actually just veg out and do nothing again, first time in forever doing that. I could go on vacation. I could do these things that many people experience normally that have become foreign concepts for me at this point. Do you know how that feels? To say I am at more internal peace and have a better mindset, again, is another understatement of my life. This is good for me. I'm happy about it. You should be too. If anything major happens on the journey, I'll be sure to update you on it. You can always contact me directly about it, whether it be through social media DM or if you happen to be personal friends and you can just hit me up and ask how it's going or just ask me on social media on a regular post of mine. I'd be glad to update you. So I'm excited for it. Radio from a primary standpoint, it was eaten away at me, especially in this job and knowing that... (sighs) Very similar work would have to be put in and even more sacrifices for years to come, which would be fine for me if it was a promising opportunity with the chance for legitimate growth. But got to sit down with yourself eventually and ask yourself what it is you truly want out of life. Yeah, you want to work hard. You want to put in the effort in every single way, of course, as I have. But also, if you see that there's little to no payoff or the payoff would be so many years down the line that... At that point, you will have made so many sacrifices. It might not even be really worth it. And you just want to be financially sound or as financially sound as possible to be able to live a life that you could be proud of and still do something that you enjoy doing. This field intrigues me, even though it's nothing that I really had thought about before. And I didn't really know much about just up until a couple of months ago. 
but it intrigues me. And the opportunity to still be able to do what you love on the side like I plan to do. If it has you in a better place mentally, and it has you in a better place financially, and you're working with better people, surrounding yourself with even better people, with limitless possibilities, why wouldn't you do it? Why wouldn't I want to do it? These are the conversations of late that I have been having with myself internally. And when this particular opportunity came along again, like I told you, I'd be a fool not to take it. So I spent a lot of time on this, I know, but it means that much to me. And this is a show about the Yankees, so I don't want to go too much longer on it. But that's the announcement. Going into the finance field, still plan on doing some radio stuff on the side. And yapping Yankees is not being affected at all. Mike is stepping up. We're trying something new, and it's going to be freaking awesome. Yep, there you go. Clap it up. It deserves it. It deserves it. I'm genuinely so excited, guys, and I can't wait to update you along the way and keep this show going, of course, and I'm going to be even in a better mindset to do this show now that I'm at more peace internally. Can you imagine that? Because despite all the craziness from the last few years, I still try to come on here and have as fun of a time as I possibly can with you guys because it is that much fun for me to do this show. I love doing Yapping Yankees, truthfully, and I can't believe we're closing in on 200 episodes. Again, it's just a testament to the work. The grind doesn't stop, guys. And again, I, if you even want to take it from a financial standpoint, I don't even make money on this. I just love doing Yapping Yankees. I love talking about the team that I love every Sunday. Even if it is a Sunday. You know how compelling it might be to just, oh yeah, kick your feet up, Mike. It's a Sunday. Relax. I, I want to talk about the Yankees with you guys. Oh, you do enough of that on Twitter. I want to do it more. <laughs> I believe in putting your own content out there now that technology permits us to do so on all the podcasts that are around. Even if this doesn't completely... And utterly blow up someday like some other podcasts do. You know what? I'm still having fun doing it. I still have a good core listenership of people that truly love to enjoy my content. And enjoy just talking about the Yankees in general. Love it. It's what it's... So let's do it, guys. Let's see how it turns out, right? Life is a series of twists and turns. We'll see. It's rarely ever a straight path. So... With that being said, speaking of things not being a straight path, my God, how about this West Coast trip, guys? (laughs) Especially when it comes to all the news and the updates. Oh my goodness, the injuries. How about the injuries? Why don't we just dive right into the news without even getting into specifics with the West Coast series? Because we get into that when we do the weekly recap and we go through all the games. Because we're already half an hour in here just talking about me, myself, and I. So let's just get into all the injury and roster updates of this past week. And it did start right back up at the beginning of this past week before you could even comprehend, like, oh my God, here we are into a new week, just finished a series against the Padres last weekend, got a West Coast trip, going to be crazy. There's some nervousness involved there because the Yankees seldom do well on the West Coast, and even in the position they're in now, even if they lose tonight, it will not have been a bad West Coast trip per se. It will have just been average because they they will have won a best two out of three and lost the best two out of three or if they win tonight it'll be a four and two trip and you can feel really good about it coming back home but nonetheless even beyond just the games obviously a lot of craziness happening in the injury realm whether it be guys continuing to get hurt guys coming back from injury take your pick but regardless we're going to start at the beginning of the week as early as monday when the injury crap continued unfortunately in the form of yet again and I hate this so much, Mr. Harrison Lord Bader. I call him Lord Bader after Lord Vader because I'm a Star Wars nerd, in case you don't know. But nonetheless, 
Harrison again finds himself on the injured list after experiencing hamstring tightness on Monday night. And Boone said he's going to be out at least a couple of weeks. Obviously, tomorrow's Monday again, so it's been about a week since then. So hopefully, only about another week or so until he's back. He felt it after he was trying to beat out a ball in the infield, and he did. But he was clearly just trying to stretch a little bit down at first base. Something seemed off. Next thing you knew, Boone came out, the trainer came out. They were talking for a while down at first base, and Bader left the game. So you knew it could not be good. And it wasn't because he came out of the game, was placed on the injured list. And amidst this coming out, there was already a lot of talk about, and we spoke about this for a chunk of last week, about what the Yankees were going to do roster-wise in light of Stanton, Donaldson, and Canely amidst their returns. Because you have to make roster moves to allow them to be added back to the 26-man. So people were wondering what they were going to do in the first place. But Bader to the injured list, I guess, sort of helped that a little bit. Not that it's something that you want to happen. But uh, but him going to the injured list obviously cleared a spot, not on the 40-man, but on the 26-man. But at first they were contemplating whether or not he'd even need an IL stint. And at that point, that was when Boone announced after officially putting him on the injured list that they would hope that he only misses about a couple of weeks, which at this point, since nearly a week has passed, hopefully it's about a week, week and a half the most at this point, and we could get Bader back in the lineup. Hopefully, that's what you hope for. So there's your sacrifice we were talking about last week, I guess, right? Because <laughs> uh, I was talking about with Rizzo's neck thing that I was really hoping that with all these reinforcements returning, like Stanton, Donaldson, Canely, I was hoping that, like it usually always does happen, that they wouldn't have to offer up a sacrifice in turn, because that's usually what's happened with the Yankees and their injury luck for years now. So Rizzo didn't seem to act as that sacrifice, and I was praying that there'd be nobody else. Well, there it was, I guess. But best part about that, of course, by best part, I mean worst part, obviously. The sarcasm when it comes to injuries with the Yankees at this point is just insinuated. After that, Turns out that in the middle of the week, even recently reacquired Yankee legend Greg Allen. Yeah, talk about how cool it was to have Greg back. Everything he's already brought to the team in his little time being back. No one is safe, guys. He even has a freaking hip flexor issue now. Hip flexor strain put him on the injured list. And that resulted in the Yankees having to call Oswaldo Cabrera right back up. Because after all, like we did speak about and predict last Sunday, Oswaldo did end up being one of the guys sent back down to AAA as a result of everyone coming back. Well, now that this happened to Greg Allen, they called him right back. So, not even sure Oswaldo made it to Scranton after being told that he was sent back down, and then he just found himself right back with the Yankees in Los Angeles. (laughs) So... There's that. So Greg Allen on the injured list as well. And it doesn't end there. Yeah, it's still not over. Ryan Weber also felt discomfort in his elbow after Friday night's appearance. Forearm strain is the official injury. And now that he has the discomfort in the elbow, the official injury is a forearm strain. And we know that forearm strains have been linked to Tommy John with many other pitchers. So having pain in the elbow... And a forearm strain is the official diagnosis. All you could do is hope that it's not that this time. (laughs) Otherwise, 
We're not going to see Weber for a long time. At least until next year. At the very least. And even probably into a chunk of next year, maybe. So, for the sake of Weber, and because Weber is actually adding some effectiveness out of the bullpen as well of late, you hope that it's not that for him. You just hate to hear anyone going down for Tommy John surgery. It's just, it's way too prevalent in the game today. And you just hope that he's not another victim of it. So, there's really no word for that as of now. Probably just seeing some more doctors going through the right tests, going through the procedures, the protocol. But, nonetheless, he is on the injured list. They recalled Nick Ramirez for the bullpen in the meantime to take his place. And then, obviously, the other big news throughout the week that we were all expecting, and we were wondering if it was just going to be two of them or if it was going to be all three. Turns out it did end up being all three after all. Obviously, going into the Los Angeles series, the Yankees reactivated Giancarlo Stanton, Josh Donaldson, and Tommy Canely, all of whom have already played at least once at this point already. Stanton played on Friday along with Donaldson. Stanton had off last night, and Donaldson played again, and tonight... Stanton's back in, and Donaldson gets the night off. And Canely also had an appearance in Friday night's game. So we've seen all of them at this point, and hopefully even more are on the way, obviously. So just of late, they've gotten Trevino back. They got Giancarlo back. They got Donaldson back and Canely back. So four guys. But then, of course, you have to account for all the ones that just either went down or went back down, in the case of someone like Harrison Bader, for instance, because he was down, was back for a while, and now he's back down on the injured list. So when you take a look at all of it, I guess there were sacrifices, as I said, because you want to look out in the bullpen after all this? Well, you got Canely back now, but Weber's gone. The outfield, you got Giancarlo back, whether he may find himself back out there or just at DH, but even just from an offensive standpoint, as an outfielder, you got him back, but now Bader and Allen, granted Allen, while he's had fun offensive moments, isn't near Bader or Stanton's skill, obviously, but now Bader and Allen are down when you get Giancarlo back. So some sacrifices happen in some areas after all. Like I always say, the baseball gods seem to always feel the need to do these things with the Yankees. It's very annoying. (laughs) Very, very freaking annoying. Speaking of very annoying, by the way, it's even more today. (laughs) We're not done yet. You thought we were done with the injury and roster updates and all that crap? No, 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 good sir, we are not. There's even more. It's also been revealed by my favorite Yankee beat reporter, Brian Hoke. As I've said many times, I love Brian. He's an absolute legend. But he tweeted around 3.30 in the afternoon not too long ago saying that there'd be more info to come on Nestor now because apparently... He was in line to start on Wednesday in the Bronx against the White Sox. Now that day with the pitching matchup is listed as TBD, otherwise known as to be determined. So who the hell knows what's going on there? An injury could be skipping a time through the rotation for whatever reason. I even saw someone mention the possibility of even starting an opener for him for a start, maybe giving that a shot for now because of Nestor's recent troubles this year with just apparently running out of gas at 80 pitches, which I believe we've spoken about before already. But of late, Nestor has had a real habit of just running out of gas and just appearing very fatigued around 80 pitches or so, which is a problem for a starter, obviously, and going through the third time of the order. So this person did very interestingly enough mention that this could be a potential trial to mitigate that problem. Maybe just have someone pitch the first inning or two of the game and then bring Nestor in. Uh... 
I don't know. It could be anything. I'd be willing more to bet that it's either an injury or just maybe skipping a time through the rotation. But who knows? Who the hell knows? It's just endless with this team. It really, really is. If we get any more info by the time I'm done recording, I'll of course let you know. Otherwise, I imagine you'll see it on your own time. Once the Yankees provide an update, I'm sure we'll get one at least before tonight's game. And then we'll touch on it next week, especially if it's anything really big. And lastly, (laughs) it it doesn't end. It just does not end, guys. Lastly, after his incredible catch last night, which we will get to obviously in the weekly recap right after this, Aaron Judge is also not in tonight's lineup. You may have noticed because of the time I'm taping, the lineup just got released just a matter of a few minutes ago. So, it turns out that after the catch last night, when Judge and everyone else obviously said that he was okay, well, he's not in the lineup tonight. And maybe just hoping, I ah, maybe just give him the night off. The Yankees also have a day off tomorrow, so give him a double day off. We know how much Boone loves to freaking do that. So, maybe it's just a case of that. But it turns out, just came out that after crashing into that fence that then opened on impact with his amazing play last night in Los Angeles in right field, right by that bullpen fence, crashed into it, obviously, we all saw it last night. If you haven't already, I guess you're a Yankee fan living under a rock, but he crashed into the fence, fence opens up, bashes into the face of one of the guys sitting right behind it in the Yankee bullpen, and somehow the guy remained conscious, and somehow Judge appeared to not be injured, but now it was revealed that judge did in fact bang his toe into the wall because they have a little step up into the bullpen right around where the gate starts. I guess he banged his toe into it and he's just a little sore today. He's getting treatment for it and the Yankees apparently think it's safe to just give him the day off, have him rest today, tomorrow, see how he is come Tuesday. So he's out of the lineup. His toe is bothering him. There's another injury update. I really, from the sound of it, don't think that he'll miss much of any time just tonight and then hopefully we'll be back Tuesday because it doesn't sound like anything major at all but you never know and of course you can't trust very many things the Yankees say so and we'll get into that during weekly recap too because I have a thing or two to say about that even more so than I already have in the past when it comes to how much you could trust the Yankees and Boone and all their updates but nonetheless those are all of your updates (laughs) with the roster and injuries and all the latest that was all the roster moves that have been made And all the guys who have returned, all the guys who went down, because again, like we've said, you can't get back without having to give back when it comes to the Yankees and their injuries. This is just a recurring theme for years on end now, and that's why I spoke about sacrifices last week, and whenever injuries are concerned, I always say I hope there's no sacrifice this time, only for there always to be a sacrifice anyway, and it is exhausting. It really is. Following the Yankees and their injuries is just exhausting. And even in light of all this judge stuff from yesterday now after that catch and what could be going on with his toe, and it just doesn't end. There is no end to the pain. So just accept it. The sooner you do, the less you will be contemplating nosediving off a roof. This is what I've tried to learn and come to terms with in my time as a Yankee fan, particularly in the last few years when it comes to injuries. You'd just be better off. Now, you still have your occasional meltdown about it, wondering if there ever is an end to the Yankee injury saga, to which the baseball gods usually have a way of reminding us that there is no end. But nonetheless, it's just the only way we could possibly get by. Because now if Judge is hurt, which it doesn't sound like it's anything serious, but again, can't really take the Yankees at their word. 
doesn't end. It just doesn't. So while we're at it and waiting for this Nestor official update again, hopefully I hope it comes out before we stop recording. So I can give you the official update right here on the show. Granted, you're still not going to hear this for at least a couple more hours. And there will probably have been an update by then anyway. But I still like to be able to give the updates on this show just so we could be caught up with everything and have fresh material, fresh updates, fresh content, fresh everything. So that is everything with injury and roster, guys. So before the baseball gods have any other chances to have anything else come out regarding Yankee injuries and just putting our minds into even more of a pretzel, what say you we do ourselves a favor and just move on to weekly recap so we can escape this subject and and not tempt the gods any more than we already have the habit of doing. So, yapping Yankees time machine, let's go back to Monday when the Yankees took on the Mariners. Save us, Recap. Save us, please. Anything that could get us away from the subject of injuries and tempting the baseball gods with the Yankee injuries anymore. Oh my goodness, there is no escape. There is no end to the pain. It's just time we accept it, guys. Whenever we get someone back, we're going to lose someone else. (laughs) Or multiple. Maybe even more than just one person. Oh boy. Let's get to Recap. And we'll talk about each and every game and go through all the deets. I can't believe I just said that. Anyways, the beginning of the week. Big takeaway from the beginning of the week was the resurgence of the Yankee offense. Last week, and for a little bit before that, we were talking all about how the Yankee offense seemed to have fallen asleep yet again, leading all the way up to last Sunday when they broke out for 10 runs against the Padres in the rubber game matchup in that three-game set last weekend. Well, the offensive explosions would not end there because... The Yankees would again, the very next night on Monday, would score another 10 runs, just like they did against the Padres in their 10-7 win on Sunday. Starting this game last Monday for the Yankees was Domingo Herman. He did not have his best. Still managed to fight through, I suppose, six and a third. Seven hits, four runs, three walks, and four strikeouts was not that sharp, but fortunately, the Yankee offense had his back. And they definitely allowed the team to feel pretty secure, I would say. (laughs) And I really would have liked to, because of the run support he had, I really would have liked to see Herman make it through at least seven and save the bullpen even more. But alas, he went six and a third, allowed the four runs, seven hits, and three walks. So not great, but got the job done. And the offense did the rest, starting the top of the second. With an RBI double by Jake Bowers, what a week he had. And that's another takeaway i got to mention right now. Jake Bowers, even going back to as recently as last night with his two two-run homers in L.A. against the Dodgers. I've got to issue an apology to Jake Bowers for suggesting him as a DFAable option last week when we were talking about options for the roster to clear roster spots for Canely, Donaldson, Giancarlo. If you need a clear a 40-man roster spot, or if you just need a spot overall to demote somebody or DFA them, depending on what it is, of course, because if you're if you're talking about opening up a 40-man spot, you have to DFA someone or move someone who's already hurt maybe to the 60-day injured list to clear them off the 40-man. It just depends. So, And if you're just reactivating someone, then you could just option someone else because you don't have to clear a 40-man roster spot to do that if they have minor league options. You know the deal. If you know the deal, you don't need it explained. But... 
Bowers and Calhoun. It was really between the two of them with a lot of us in last week's social media segment. So if you missed that, go listen back to last week's episode. It was really between DFAing Bowers or Calhoun. And I was saying Calhoun's bad had made it really tough of late to do that. And it's still true. But because, you know, that was before this past week's tear by Jake Bowers. But Jake Bowers took it upon himself this past week to have a week for the ages with all these home runs and everything, playing wherever the Yankees need him to, playing some first base even, and which first base is primary. But anyways, he was playing a lot more outfield prior. But as of last week, it was obvious that Bowers was not being very valuable defensively for the Yankees, and he really wasn't doing all that much offensively except for the just occasional once-in-a-blue-moon home run. So all of us had a reason for feeling the way we did last week when talking about the possibility of DFAing him. But this past week, he did admittedly make all of us who said that look like fools because he must have changed something about his swing. Even some people were talking about how the Yankees discussed working on his swing to get better offensive results, and my God, they must have worked. Because this past week, he really put the work in and had the results, to say the least, and made a lot of us look stupid. (laughs) So... In this sense, Glad Bowers is still around because he was a big reason for a lot of the scoring that took place this past week. So Jake Bowers, definitely a big takeaway as of this past week's action for the Yankees. So we started off the scoring on Monday. RBI double made it one nothing. Bottom of the second, Herman allowed them to tie the game on an RBI ground up by Teoscar Hernandez. Top of the third, Aaron Judge continuing his home run tear this past week as well. Definitely another takeaway is he. He had a two-run shot right down the line, his 16th of the year, made it 3-1 to Yankees. Jake Bowers made it 4-1 to in the top of the fourth on a solo shot of his own, his third of the year, first home run in a while for him. So, Memorial Day, looking pretty good, right? Bottom of the fourth, M's add on another on a solo shot by Julio Rodriguez, made it 4-2, to but then the Yankees struck back right after that in the top of the fifth on a two-run double by Willie Calhoun, so both Willie and Jake Bowers hitting. Isaiah Kiner-Falefa, another takeaway as he was last week, continuing his great offensive performances of late. No matter where the Yankees put him in the field, he puts in the work out there, whether it be a third, center, left, and at the plate, he's been getting it done, as we spoke about last week, with all the apology issuing and everything about how he has embraced his utility role. He continued to do it here yet again. Two-run double for him. Made it 8-2, so the Yankees piling on. Bottom of the fifth. That was when it was really evident that Herman just didn't really have it all that much. Because it just really allowed them to just keep on hitting back. Granted, they never really got close. But... Almost immediately after the Yankees kept on scoring for him, he would give up even more. So a two-run single by Julio Rodriguez brought them within 8-4. Top of the sixth, Aaron Judge adds yet again, solo shot, 17th of the year, made it 9-4. He's just, what can you say? And then top of the ninth, Higashioka added on one more with an RBI single to make it 10-4, and that would be the final. So a great start for the Yankees. Great win on Memorial Day. Good start to the Mariners series in Seattle. Second day in a row, scoring 10 runs. And you thought it would stop there? You thought the Yankees were done yet? Silly you. The next day, they would have their third consecutive day putting up 10 runs. (laughs) Ah, freaking crazy. Nestor started this one. And again, 
He appeared okay until he was getting towards the very end. He would get the win on the day after going five innings, allowing five hits, two runs, three walks, six strikeouts. Not a brutal start, but again, really gave us all heart attacks and a big jam, limited the damage, but only went five. Started to crap out around 80 pitches again, third time through the lineup. Another recurring theme for him. Leading to him now not starting on Wednesday for whatever reason, a reason we don't know as of yet. So, I mean, if this is any indication, reflecting on this, it could very well just be that they want to skip a start through the rotation to give him some rest if he does, in fact, if it is a fatigue problem. Never know until they tell us. Or if he is, in fact, hurt, maybe he does have something wrong, and that's why he can't go really so deep into games anymore, pitch count-wise, and why he's having so much trouble with seeing guys a third time in the order. Could be either one, really. So, he went the five innings. Fortunately, after him, Michael King and Ryan Weber each pitched two shutout innings. Beautiful jobs by the both of them. So, for that reason... The Yankees were able to hold the Mariners down to just two runs. And scoring-wise, well, like we spoke about, they did it all yet again with another 10-run game three times in a row. Can you imagine that? You don't have to imagine it. It happened. Three games in a row, 10 runs. Can't remember the last time the Yankees did that, if ever. Top of the first, Isaiah Kiner-Falefa got the scoring started yet again. Two-run single for him, followed by a Jake Bowers sacrifice fly, made it 3 nothing. So the Yankees right off the bat again, pun intended. <laughs> oh, God, my sound effects. Love using those sometimes. But nonetheless, the offense wasting no time, even after two consecutive days of scoring 10 runs prior to just get right back on the board and have the Yankees feeling good about themselves. Top of the third, this really felt like when the Yankees really put it away, other than when Nestor gave everybody a slight heart attack struggling at the end of his outing. But Anthony Volpe after that, his eighth home run of the year, a three-run shot in the top of the third, put the Yankees ahead 6 nothing. And then top of the fourth, Greg Allen even got in on it. Sir Greg Allen <laughs> hitting a solo shot to right field himself. Obviously not too much of a hitter himself, especially a home run hitter, but even he got in on it. Solo shot to right field for him his first of the year. Made it 7 nothing Yankees, and again, right now you're feeling good about everything. And speaking of Volpe, I've spent a second on him because he has definitely been a takeaway this past week as well, and not in a good way outside of this home run, really. A lot of people really getting after him now that we're two-plus months into the year, and he still continues to struggle the way he has at the plate. A lot of people asking me, how you feeling about your patience about him? The answer is, I'm still pretty patient because he's so young still and because it's his first season. Now, am I slightly concerned because of how badly he is struggling because of how objectively bad his numbers are, regardless of how much you love the kid and how much you want to be patient with him, which I really am in the positive aspect of both of those things? I'm a little concerned because... You have to objectively admit that his numbers have been brutal. There's no there's no sugarcoating it. His numbers have been really bad on the whole. Do I think he could bounce back? Especially if the Yankees hitting coaches would just work on him to tweak a few things. I mean, even some people on broadcast like Jeff Nelson and others have really cited the things that seem to be wrong with his swing. And I just hope the coaching staff is working with him on these things too. I would hope they are. But I'm not giving up hope as of yet. It's only two months into his very young major league career. I'm not willing to give up on him as of yet. I'm not. Am I a little concerned because the numbers have gotten to such a low point? Maybe a little bit. I'm not going to be totally unrealistic about it. But 
because of the position the Yankees find themselves in right now, very fortunately because of how many injuries I've had to deal with, I think you could afford to have some more patience with them even on even in that aspect is where the Yankees are as a team. So, am I a little concerned? Sure. But am I willing to give up on him and send him back down as of now? No. And I especially don't think that sending him back down does anything for his mentality either. I mean, I'm sure he's got some mental fortitude. But sending him back down after you really just... You told him before the season started, we really think that the development should take place in the major leagues. And what kind of message are you sending if you give up on him two months in and you just send him right back down? Now, it's complicated because if you look down in the minors, and I do believe there are other ways to beat around this, but Oswald Peraza is, to say that he's raking in the minor leagues, again, another understatement of the century. He is killing it down there right now. And that's tough to watch knowing what he could be doing up here. So... That's making a lot of people jumpy in itself, I believe, when it comes to Volpe, saying, look at what Peraza's doing, look at what Volpe's doing, we should switch him. I don't think we should be that hasty about it. shouldn't be that quick, and it shouldn't be that easy. You committed to Volpe, you said you wanted the development to take place up here, don't be so quick to give up on it yet. Let's give it a bit more time. And by a bit, I mean, you know, a reasonable amount of time more. I do think that certain things down the line could happen to where you could have both him and Peraza up here, and you could have, I think Peraza could be up here right now, but especially in certain cases, like let's say if Donaldson doesn't work out in the next month or so, and especially if Peraza is still raking at that by that time, then make your move. Make your move. There are other ways to do it, but it also has to be in a sense where Peraza would get at least somewhat regular playing time, so he could actually have a legitimate chance at contributing and producing up here. So I know it's tough to watch what Volpe has been going through. The strikeouts are way up. The run production's down. Just everything. He's made his mistakes in the field here and there, but that's to be expected. He hasn't even been stealing bases as often because he hasn't been on bases often, period. So it's been tough with him. I know. I view it as growing pains, though. I do. And is it a little concerning? Yeah. Is it tough to watch, especially knowing what Peraza's doing down there? Yeah. But the organization could find ways to get Peraza up here if they're creative. So, I don't really blame Volpe for that. I don't. Volpe's got talent. He's up here. He's doing his thing. He's trying to prove himself. He's fighting through the growing pains as best as he can. And hopefully we get to see some results with that pretty soon. But he's definitely, unfortunately, as of now, another negative takeaway from this past week is Anthony Volpe. Because outside of this three-run homer this past week, it has been rough on him. So hopefully he can cut back down on the strikeouts, put the bat on the ball more, continue to show the power that he's shown now and again. Eight home runs on the season so far already for him. So hopefully he can continue to show that going forward. Get Just focus on getting on base more. Even if it's via walks, his walk rate is even down, which is pretty high at first. Now it's down. Just get on base any way you can. Continue to steal bases. Do well in the field. Do your thing, and it'll all come together. Iron out the kinks in the swing. It's a process, man. It's all it is. So unfortunately, a negative takeaway as of now, but hopefully he can continue to work his way back. I am not close to giving up on him yet, personally. But he did put them ahead 6-0 there in that game before Greg Allen's solo shot. Put them ahead 7-0, as I said before. Then the bottom of the fifth was when Nestor started to run into some trouble, as we said before. Ty France RBI double, Teoscar Hernandez RBI double. Fortunately, he limited the damage to two, and the Yankees did their adding on after that. Since two runs is all the Mariners scored. Top of the seventh, Aaron Judge, another home run. Another home run. 18th on the year, made it 8-2. to two. 
And then IKF yet again, two-run single, made it 10-2. to two. So Aaron Judge homering yet again. Isaiah Kiner-Falefa responsible for driving in four of the 10 runs. He was four for five, a hell of a night for him playing in left field as well. Yankees had their third consecutive night scoring 10 runs. Third night in a row. Unbelievable. Unfortunately, though, amidst going for the sweep the very next day, they would not achieve it because despite a good start by Clark Schmidt, five and two-thirds, only three hits, no runs, one walk only, and seven strikeouts, having a better put-away pitch given some length, finally, and Schmidt has been better lately, I gotta admit that, and this is another example of that, he's been a bit better of late. Despite his efforts and despite Wandy Peralta, pitching two shutout, and despite Clay Holmes getting four outs, not allowing any runs and striking out three of the four hitters he faced, despite all of that great stuff from a pitching standpoint, the Yankee offense was completely dead. And I guess the 30 runs in three days, (laughs) I guess that could uh, result in a game like this every once in a while after something like that takes place. So the Yankees did not score a single run. And they would end up losing the game with Marinaccio on the mound. Another Marinaccio L, man. As Marinaccio continues to just not really be that reliable this year. And granted, yes, it was the ghost runner that scored. It was in the bottom of the 10th, so the run is unearned and all that stuff. Yes, but the Yankees even had their chance to score in the top of the 10th, and they didn't do it. They had the chance to bring in Anthony Rizzo with the bases loaded in two outs after Boone prior to the game because... Rizzo, after it was said, and this is what I was talking about before, when I was talking about how you really can't take the Yankees for their word a lot of the time, this is yet another time. And we were talking about just last week that Rizzo could very well have been in the lineup the next day. He wasn't in the lineup on Monday, wasn't in the lineup on Tuesday, wasn't in the lineup on Wednesday. And then, before the game, Boone basically said that Rizzo was available off the bench in a pinch-hitting appearance if they needed him. Well, what better situation than the top of the 10th inning when the team is having such a tough time scoring throughout the entire night? Bases loaded, two outs. Didn't come in. They brought in Franchi Cordero instead, who proceeded to strike out. Another big, blown scoring chance. And then obviously in the bottom of the 10th, they went on to lose. And then after the game... Boone said that, oh, Rizzo is only available for an absolute emergency. In other words, if he was like the very last one available on the bench and and somebody got hurt. I guess that's what he means by that. Not what he said beforehand. So, my question was, you know, I'm I'm not against giving him some extra rest if needed, if the neck was really worse than originally thought or said. But just don't go out there before the game and say that he's available off the bench, and then proceed not to bring him in in the most important situation in the game in extra innings. That'll make some of us scratch our heads. And yeah, we're just fans at the end of the day. And yeah, like they're not entitled to give every little bit of information. And there might be a certain thing that some people even argued, oh yeah, letting the opponent know what's going to happen. And But it doesn't matter about the opponent in that situation. If he's available and you say he's available, people expect to see him. And plus, if they're not entitled to give all of their true thoughts away and, you know, they don't have to tell the media everything, it's not the media's business, it's not our business, then what's the point of having any interviews? So I don't buy that crap that people were telling me. Oh, it's it's not 
his job to tell the media absolutely everything, and it's not his job to tell us fans everything. Well, then what are we interviewing for? How else are we going to get information and accurate information at that? That's the problem here, getting accurate information. And he said he was available. So everybody was expecting top of the 10th, two outs for Rizzo to be in there. And he wasn't. And that caused some confusion. And that's okay to seek answers for that. And they even did that. That's why they asked him about it after the game. So we weren't the only ones thinking that. So was the media, evidently. So was everybody else with a brain in their head that watched the pregame and heard Boone say that he was available. So these are the things that I mean, along with all the other injury crap through the years that you just can't take the Yankees 100% at their word all the time. And this is just another example of that. And for all the people saying, oh yeah, they're not obligated to tell everyone every little thing. Well, what are we doing interviews for then, guys? It's so they could communicate with the media, with the public, let them know what's going on, give them the information. The Yankees are a source for information when it comes to the players. Who else are you going to get it from? It's just a bunch of silliness that night. So, it's whatever. Turns out it was only for an emergency after all, which is not what was said before the game, but whatever. They lost. That's what matters. Franchi came in, big moment, struck out. Like, I feel like we all knew he was going to. And it was actually pretty competitive at bat, but we, just based on how it was going, just have that feeling that they're not going to put the bat on the ball, and he didn't. So, tough loss for the Yankees, but ultimately, at the end of the day, they won two out of three. That's what's important, especially considering how rough of a time, like we always talk about, the Yankees usually have in the West Coast. Whenever they can win a West Coast series at least two out of three, I'll shut up. So it's whatever. Tough loss, dead offense, whatever. They lost one to nothing, move along to L.A., which they did after an off day on Thursday. Friday comes around, obviously. This was after the big activations took place. Giancarlo, Donaldson, Canely back on the roster with the team from there. You know who had also been back from injury recently? The man who was on the mound that night on Friday. Luis Severino. And I don't think I would be exaggerating when I say that, particularly the first inning in itself, but just the start overall, I don't think I would be over-exaggerating to say that I believe that this could have very well been Luis Severino's worst start of his entire life. Not just Major League career. His entire life. They somehow were able to still squeeze four innings out of him when it looked like he could have very well been taken out as early as the first inning. But So I guess that's a silver lining, I suppose, that the bullpen didn't have to eat any more outs than they already had to. But four innings, nine hits, seven runs, all of them earned. One walk, two strikeouts, and three home runs given up. This start was a complete, uncontrollable disaster. With six of those seven runs coming in the first inning, the other coming in the third. The Yankees managed to put four runs up on the board, believe it or not, from the two guys that they just got back from injury on a Stanton solo shot and two home runs by Josh Donaldson, a solo shot and a two-run shot. All four runs the Yankees put up were by the two guys they had just gotten back from injury. Nobody else did a single thing on Friday night. Because honestly, how could they possibly be motivated to do absolutely anything when you find yourself down 6 nothing before the second inning? 
So there's that. The Dodgers just completely barraged Luis Severino and the Yankees, wasting no time. Mookie Betts, leadoff home run. Max Muncy, two-run shot. James Outman, RBI single. Miguel Rojas, sacrifice fly. Mookie Betts, again, RBI single. All of that before the second inning. Then after that, in the top of the second inning was in Josh Donaldson, got them on the board with a solo shot. First at bat back, this is a great sign by him. A shot to left center field, a really good shot. Second homer of the year. The first home run coming way back at the beginning of the year, actually at the game that I was at. I think it was the second game of the year. Yeah. So that made it 6-1, and then bottom of the third was when the Dodgers added on even more off of Severino, and a solo shot by J.D. Martinez made it 7-1. to Obviously, you felt the game was going to be over by now. You're just hoping to see anything positive at this point that you could just pick apart individually. And you did get that in the top of the fourth when Giancarlo Stanton, as I just said, just back from injury on Friday night, also hit a solo shot of his own to left center as well. So that's really good to see from Stanton. Stanton has obviously had a history of loving to hit at Dodger Stadium. Has hit some monumental home runs there, including even in the All-Star game. So bottom of the sixth, they added on even more, though, did the Dodgers on a Mookie Betts solo shot. And then top of the ninth, the Yankees added on two more with Josh Donaldson's second home run of the night. Dodgers would win 8-4. to four. Biggest takeaway, of course, being Luis Severino completely and utterly falling apart. A big thing that I noticed right off the bat, and I even tweeted about it, a cause for concern. Obviously, nothing's been announced in this area, so I guess he's okay. But I noticed the velo right away. And I know he's just back from injury. Maybe the adrenaline was going in the first start, so maybe that attributed to it a little bit. But in the first start, it was easy to notice that Luis Severino, in his first start back from the injured list, was consistently throwing anywhere from 98 to 100 miles per hour. Consistently. In this start, he barely cracked 94 miles an hour. He mainly floated around 93, 94. So the velo was down, everything appeared flat, and his location was just awful. Absolutely awful. And he got clubbed as a result. They really tagged him good. So, after the Luis Severino implosion, that made the Yankees get dealt an 8-4 loss to start the series in L.A., They would bounce back as of last night, though, and because the game hasn't started as of tonight. This will be the last game of the weekly recap that we talk about, of course. But last night, the Yankees did manage to bounce back with Garrett Cole on the mound. He did have a couple innings where he got into a little bit of trouble, but otherwise, Cole had himself a nice outing. Six innings, four hits, one run, two walks, five strikeouts, lowered his ERA to 282, got his seventh win on the year as a result of the Yankees' 6-3 victory, and he is still undefeated. He is 7-0. and You guys know that I don't really care for pitcher records, but I still glance over it. He is 7-0. and Should talk about it still at least a little bit, whether or not you care for the statistic, but... He is 7-0. He could have stayed in the game even longer as well because after he was done in the sixth inning, and I questioned this on Twitter before any update came out, as did everyone else, he only had 80 pitches heading into the seventh. And even if you don't want him facing any particular guys for yet another time through the order, I was like, well, why don't you at least let him start the inning and have someone ready to go in the bullpen and take it batter by batter? I don't get it. He's the ace. 80 pitches out of the game? But it turned out not long after that, there was a Twitter update saying that he was actually cramping up a bit. They didn't want to play with it. So that makes sense. Take him out. You don't want him to get hurt. But nonetheless, so the bullpen had to get three innings worth of outs, so nine outs, obviously. And Wandy Peralta came in, and he really made things nerve-wracking because he 
he fell apart when he came in. In the bottom of the seventh, it was really baffling. Like, he just didn't seem to have his stuff going either. Like, at all. Give an RBI triple to Miguel Vargas, and Miguel Rojas got an RBI single off him. That brought the Dodgers to within two at the time, and you just didn't want to mess around with any of it at all at that point anymore. So King came in and held the Dodgers down for another two shutout innings as Michael King just continues to be an absolute beast out there. And then Clay Holmes, of course, closed it out in the ninth for his sixth save of the year. Clay still looking pretty good for the most part. That is a big relief. And back in the closer role as well, he looked pretty good. Granted, he did have a three-run lead, but still. It would not be the first time he had choked that up as well. So, still a big positive nonetheless. But how did the Yankees get their three runs, you might ask? Well, I will tell. This was also what I was talking about earlier when I was talking about the tear that Jake Bowers has been on all week. It very much continued and even hit a peak last night, one may even argue, because he had two two-run homers, the first one coming in the top of the second. And this gave the Yankees a 2 nothing lead very near the beginning of the game. Then in the bottom of the second, Cole would give up his one and only run on an RBI single by David Peralta thanks to a miscommunication in shallow left between Volpe and Jake Bowers. So that drove in a run, made it 2-1. to one. And I know you got some people playing out of position. Left field is not exactly Jake Bowers' ideal position, but some of the defensive miscues on this team and the miscommunications, it's resulted in some really foolish plays taking place this year with this team, so I hope they figure it out. But nonetheless, that brought it to within 2-1, to one, and Jake Bowers had the Yankees covered yet again in the top of the fourth with another two-run shot, second of the game, fifth home run of the year. Made it 4-1 Yankees. Top of the sixth, Judge padded it a little bit more with his 19th home run. A solo shot right down the left field line, an absolute missile into the first few rows in left field. Made it 5-1. to one. Then obviously with Peralta and the Dodgers brought it within 5-3, of course. And then the top of the ninth, as I mentioned before, recently brought back Oswaldo Cabrera, called right back after Greg Allen's injury. Hits a shot into left for a solo home run. His fourth home run of the year made it 6-3 Yankees, and that would obviously be the final. I would say that's a big takeaway, too, because Oswaldo, having just come back, obviously the goal, other than just to clear roster space in sending him down, was to really have him hit a reset button, rediscover his swing, iron out the kinks, come back stronger than ever, and I was confident that that was what was going to happen. But then, of course, injuries always throw things off and what the original plans are. So he was called right back. And he hits a home run right away. So that's a good sign. I hope it continues for him because, you know, sometimes even if they don't even make it all the way back to Scranton before being called right back because of another injury in Oswaldo's case, sometimes just being told that you're being sent back down and realizing, hey, this is a this is real. I'm being sent back down because I have not been getting it done for the first two months of the season. I've been utterly abysmal. This is real. I got to get it going again. Maybe that was enough to motivate him. Who knows? I mean, who knows? Baseball is obviously so largely mental. And maybe that's the case for him. And again, the power being displayed by him from the right side of the plate, that's really where all of his power has been displayed from this year. And last year and throughout all the past, whenever you heard about Oswaldo and actually saw him, his power usually comes from hitting from the left side. So again, another interesting display of power from the right side here, which is mainly what we've seen from him this year, change of pace when it comes to hitting, because obviously he's a switch hitter. So that's another note to be reminded of, to 
you'll just realize it's another interesting thing when it comes to his hitting this year amidst how baffling it is of how badly he's done for the vast majority of the first two months here of the 2023 season. But nonetheless, it was enough to give the Yankees the 6-3 to victory and lead to today's rubber game matchup, which is starting in not too far from the time I'm recording now. Tonight's Sunday night ESPN game, rubber game matchup in LA. The pitching matchup, as it will get started at 7-10 Eastern. By the time you're hearing this, the game will definitely be over. But the pitching matchup tonight is Domingo Herman going for the Yankees and for the Dodgers. Bobby Miller will be going for them in his third pitching appearance this year. So we'll see what goes down. Yankee lineup, obviously, without judging it, as we said before. And apparently Boone has recently come out and said he just doesn't know whether he'll need an IL stint. They're going to see how he feels, so uh, I don't know. Glaber's leading off at second base. Rizzo batting second at first base. Stanton batting third, DHing. Willie Calhoun in the cleanup spot in left field, DJ batting 5th at 3rd base. Jake Bowers in right field, batting 6th. Batting 7th is IKF in center. Higashioka is catching tonight, batting 8th. And Volpe ninth at shortstop. So that's the lineup. Herman on the mound. We will see what goes down, who will take this series in what has been a very interesting series in Los Angeles. And just an interesting West Coast trip overall. Like I always say, there's a lot that usually happens on the West Coast. It's usually always a chaotic experience. Hence the episode title, guys. West Coast Chaos. Whether it be because of the gameplay, the injuries, the roster, no matter what it is. Usually a lot always happens on the West Coast. What is ahead? As we have just given all of our takeaways from this past week. Obviously, another big takeaway is just seeing what happens with Nestor if he... If he's injured or what the deal is, if we get that update soon, hopefully we do. And what the deal is with Judge, whether he'll need an IL stint or not. And when Bader is going to be back officially, hopefully in just another week, week and a half. What the deal is with Rodon, who continues to throw bullpen sessions and apparently is going to face live hitters soon. Just the injury list overall, just takeaways with injuries, which we've given all about so far and cited each and every player and their actions this past week with their takeaways. What is ahead for this coming week after the West Coast trip concludes after tonight? Well, tomorrow, the Yankees, they head back home to New York, are off, so they have an off day tomorrow, June 5th. June 6th, they'll be back home to face the White Sox, 7.05 Eastern in the Bronx. Giolito against Clark Schmidt will be Tuesday's matchup. Wednesday is the TBD day. We'll see who takes on the White Sox's Lance Lynn. Obviously, this is supposed to be Nestor's start, as we said before. We'll see what they choose to do on Wednesday in the coming days. And then Thursday, it's set to be Clevenger against Severino. Severino retaking the mound, obviously hoping to rebound from his horrific performance on Friday night. That'll be Thursday the 8th. All three games against the White Sox, again at 7.05 Eastern. Friday, next weekend, is an exciting series because finally the Yankees get to see the Boston Red Sox for the first time this year. I feel like strangely, multiple times in the last couple years, the Yankees and Red Sox go pretty deep into the schedule without seeing each other at all. Stop doing that, Major League Baseball. We want it evenly spread out. So we get Yankees and Red Sox excitement throughout the entire calendar. Come on. So the ninth, they're finally seeing each other again. Yankee Stadium matchup next weekend. Friday night's game will be at 7.05 Eastern. Saturday's will be at 
p.m. Eastern, Saturday the 10th. And Sunday the 11th, just like tonight, the Yankees will be having another Sunday night game. It'll be another ESPN Sunday night special, Yankees-Red Sox, next Sunday when we speak again. Yankees-Red Sox and the Bronx wrapping up the three-game set at Yankee Stadium. And again, not only because I got to be getting ready to go to bed earlier on weeknights because of my new job, but because yet another Sunday night game I'll probably be taping earlier in the day next Sunday as well, just like today. As a matter of fact, speaking of all these night games, the Yankees actually don't have, speaking of multiple Sunday night games in a row, the Yankees actually don't have another single day game until, I forget the specific date, I'm checking right now. Yeah, the next time they have a day game is on Saturday, June 24th against the Rangers at Yankee Stadium. It's a 405 game. That's actually a game that I've been eyeing for a little bit. I think that'll be my next return to Yankee Stadium, my fourth game of the year. But that's the next time they have a day game, guys. And it's already been a few days since they've had a day game. Basically since the Padres. So yeah, pretty much the Padres was the last time that they had a day game on Sunday the 28th because all the games against the Mariners were night games. All the games against the Dodgers here are night games. And then have another day game until the 24th against the Rangers. That's crazy. So many night games. Wow. Really odd scheduling there. But anyways, that's what's ahead going forward for this next week when it comes to Yankees baseball after tonight's final game against the Dodgers. Again, you guys will have already known the final outcome of the game because by the time I upload this, the game will have been over. I do not want to release it while the game is going on because obviously everybody's attention, including my own admittedly, will be on the game, not on some podcast episode. So it'll be up for you probably not too long after the conclusion of the game. And obviously you could listen to it whenever you want throughout the entire week. It's there for your listening pleasure. So let's move on to the end of the show now. we got the social media segment, the final segment. As always, got another open-ended question for you. I promise I'll bring back the Q&A at some point. I know you guys like to ask me the questions at times. I'll try to bring that back next week maybe. If nothing else major happens that... You know, it should be obvious that I should question you guys on. But for now, we got another open-ended question. And because it's such a big subject being the three guys who came back on Friday between Stanton, Donaldson, and Canely, and injuries have dominated so much of the discussion, as they should because of how frequently they're occurring and how many times they get guys back and lose other guys constantly. It's like a revolving door around here. It should only make sense that amidst all the chaos, injury, and otherwise, that we talk about a guy the Yankees just got back because he could also have an effect, his performance, or lack thereof, could also result in the Yankees taking another route. Such as, if he doesn't work out, will we see Peraza again sometime soon? What could possibly happen? They could go down other routes in other areas. So, given the fact that he's come back and he's as hot of a topic as he is, And he's on a bit of a leash, understandably so, whether it be long or short. I'm sure there's some sort of a leash there given the circumstances and how poorly he has done in his time on the Yankees, whether it be on the field or missing time with injury the way he has the last couple of months now this year. But the subject I speak of is Mr. Donaldson, Josh Donaldson. Just came back from injury. He is a hot topic, and especially because of his first game back when he hit two home runs, one of them being off Kershaw. It is impressive. Got to give him that. 
Tip your cap when necessary and when it's deserved, give you kudos. But he's a very hot topic. And depending on how he does, like I said, it could decide ultimately on other sorts of routes the organization could take. If he doesn't hit within the next month, could that be another route for Peraza coming back? Could it be a route for Oswaldo Cabrera to get more playing time if he happens to be improved now after being sent back down to the minors for about two minutes and having that really hit him like, wow, I'm being sent back down. I got to really get my game going. Could it result in IKF getting more reps down at third base? So him working out or not working out can also affect other aspects of the team, as I was explaining before. But of course, if he does work out, then obviously that's to the betterment of the Yankees. His success is the Yankees' success, as we spoke about, hence why I will not actively root against him, despite my lack of belief in him that he could bounce back. You cannot believe in someone, but still hope that they somehow prove you wrong. Happens all the time. Donaldson happens to be another example of that for me. So, given how hot of a topic he is and how it was one of the bigger points of this past week about him, Stanton, and Canely all returning at the same time heading into the series against the Dodgers, I figured ask the question on him amidst all the chaos. And the question is, despite him only having played two games so far, and again, he's not in the lineup tonight, so it'll stick it to even as of tonight, do you believe that Josh Donaldson can finally be a positive impact on this team upon returning, and how long of a leash are you giving him? Well, I've been more than open about this. While I hope that he is a positive impact, because again, him being a positive impact means better for the team, so obviously I would hope for that. Do I believe it could happen? Unfortunately, even after the first game, I'm still sticking to no. I just don't think he has it in him to reinvent himself and bring back his old self at this age with these circumstances. I just, I don't see it happening, particularly with the bat. Could he keep it going defensively? Sure. I don't have doubt when it comes to defense. It was the one redeeming aspect of him last year of all the other aspects that were beyond poor. But when it comes to the offense, I just don't see him redeeming himself. I don't see it being possible. Could I be wrong? Sure. But I don't see it happening. And if I'm the Yankees, I'd probably give him about a month's worth of a leash. I'd say a good landmark would be the 4th of July. I was even talking about this earlier with my mom's boyfriend. Because from the time he came back, maybe it'll be a couple more days longer than a month, but I would say the 4th of July is a good landmark. If he's not hitting at least respectably, or in a way where he is legitimately contributing to the team, or even staying afloat by the 4th of July, I think that's that would be a good time to decide what to do. Or if you want to take it to the All-Star break at that point, and then just be fresh in the second half and not have him around anymore, then fine, I guess. But I'd say... See how he's doing by the 4th of July and then assess then. That's the kind of leash I'm giving him. So not too long, three, four weeks, encouraging signs in the first game. Nothing really happened yesterday. But that's how long I'm giving him personally. And I don't, I unfortunately do not believe in him as of this point. Again, do I hope I'm wrong and he does prove everyone wrong that doesn't believe in him like myself? I'm rooting for it to happen because I want him to succeed because I want the Yankees to succeed, and his success means the Yankees' success. I know I'm a broken record when I say this, but I just don't want anyone misunderstanding me. I'm not actively rooting for him to fail. I don't do that with any Yankee. I want them to do well so the team can do well. Do not misunderstand me. I'm just saying that I do not believe that he can. That's all I'm saying. And if he doesn't do well, well, then you've got some other options. Granted, they're not like beyond promising options, and I really do wish one of them would be, but he's just not performing up to par, and the one I'm talking about is DJ LeMahieu, which I 
had a takeaway from him last week as well. But And if I did, then it's even more so this week. But continued thoughts on DJ's downfall. Despite him looking better in the two games against the Padres on Friday and Saturday, um, I, I just have to say that, again, he has gone back to just looking absolutely and utterly brutal at the plate. I mean, he's still making his plays in the field, yeah, but his lack of hitting at the plate also just it complicates things because it's not such an easy option if Donaldson doesn't work out. I mean, I guess you put, that's when you call up Oswald Peraz if you can and give him a legitimate shot if he can work out at third base. I mean, granted, he's more middle infield like everyone says, but you go down a few different routes. If you're you're okay with IKF playing more, then you give him more reps at third base, but then what happens in the days when he covers the outfield, especially if you have guys like Bader still down, or if this freaking toe problem with Judge turns out to be a bigger issue, if Stanton gets hurt yet again, you're going to need some outfield gloves. And even though it's not his primary position, IKF is utility for out there now, I guess. So even that's complicated if you want to give him more reps at third base. Oswaldo Cabrera, you got to see if he starts to hit. See what to do about Peraz, obviously, like I just said. But DJ is not the clear-cut option that we all hoped he would be. He just continues to be absolutely horrendous at the plate. Do you see his numbers? How they've continued to just free-fall? I mean, before you know it, he's going to be in the 230s in average, which isn't everything, definitely not. But six home runs, not a power hitter, it's fine. But 21 RBIs, his OPS is not far from dropping under 700. OPS plus of 96 so far. And and again, if he has another bad night tonight, then this will all drop even lower. On base percentage, 307. It's pretty low for him. It's very low. A lot of concerning factors when it comes to DJ's game. He's even only walked 16 times. His strikeouts are up. 56 strikeouts already, 52 games in, when last year, in 125 games, when one could argue last year his numbers are still a bit down, especially from like 2019 and 2020, but last year, in 125 games, he had 71 strikeouts the whole year in all those games. He's only 15 away from that in less than half the games. So strikeouts are up. It's just, his numbers are baffling right now. Bafflingly bad. And it's nights like tonight where DJ really needs to take advantage of his opportunities. A night where Donaldson's getting the night off because it's his first weekend back. Stanton got the night off yesterday. Donaldson gets the night off tonight. I'll put my opinions aside for how ridiculous I think that is on both ends, especially considering the Yankees have a day off tomorrow already. But nonetheless... With Donaldson having the day off today and DJ getting another shot at third base, even though Donaldson's back, this is a clear-cut opportunity for DJ to make his presence known yet again. It's nights like tonight where because Donaldson's back and if Glaber's not getting a night off or, or, or if Rizzo's not getting a night off down at first base, you know, DJ's probably going to be on the bench. And yeah, Boone likes to rotate guys a lot, but on days where DJ's inevitably going to have to be on the bench for a night, he's going to get opportunities like this here and there. He's got to make his presence known. And if he doesn't, he's going to continue to not be a reliable option for if someone like Donaldson does not work out over the course of the next month or so, or however long his leash turns out being with the Yankees. 
So that's also why I hope Donaldson works out. Aside from him just being a Yankee, and I want him to succeed so the team succeeds. It's because there's really no other clear-cut answer for third base. DJ would be that guy for me, but he has been objectively awful. That's the problem. So there are other factors at work here when it comes to how big of a leash you're giving him. Or do you think he could be a positive impact? What happens if he's not a positive impact? All of these thoughts have to flood your mind if you're contemplating all of this as a Yankee fan at this point. But unfortunately, it doesn't change my opinion of Donaldson for the better in the sense that I just still don't believe that he could do it. That's just my opinion. Let's hear your thoughts. Let's start off with at Tony New York one saying, who really knows? But basing my answer by previous performance, I think he'll revert to good defense and poor offense. Unless he's a giant liability, he will be on the team the rest of the season unless he's part of a deal for an expiring contract. Well, yeah, if he's going to revert to being that awful at offense, yeah, there's still some value defensively, but especially with the money remaining on his contract, if they're not to DFA him, then I don't know which trade packages you could even put him in if it's like a deadline deal or I don't really know. It's, it's complicated with him. They probably just end up DFAing them like they did with Hicks. Granted, it'd be just more money to eat, probably. But nonetheless, like I said, if they were willing to do that with Hicks, who had more than one year left on his deal, then I guess you're even more willing to do it with Donaldson, who's, yeah, granted, he's making more money in this year alone than Hicks was going to. But this is Donaldson's last year in his contract, so maybe they'd be more than willing to do that in that case, like we've spoken about. But, yeah, if he's just going to have that poor of offense... I. Unless you DFA him, it's going to be tough to offload him. It's going to be tough. At iGolfDoYou is next, saying, I think he could be, but if not, I give him until the All-Star break. If he's still floundering at that point, then it's adios amigo. All right, so like I said before, you're giving until the All-Star break. I'm saying give or take 4th of July. If you want to give it till the All-Star break, just to have like a fresh start post-All-Star break, then fine. I did mention that as a possibility. You seem to be another one in that crowd, so that's fine. Uh, me personally, I give him until the 4th of July. But yeah, if at the most, if he's still being absolutely awful with little to no contribution whatsoever, because I'm sure he'll have his moments, and it's inevitable not to at least run into a few pitches in that much time. I'm sure he'll have his home runs and clutch hits here and there, but if on the whole, he is really not being productive enough to the point where he's making a difference on this team, and he's still floundering, as you say, yeah, at latest by the All-Star break, you got to cut the tie. But again, it's a problem because you don't have a clear-cut solution if it's not going to be someone like Oswald Peraza. On this current roster, you'd either have, have to have IKF playing nearly every day and be less less so utility, especially if the outfield still needs some help. Or it'd be Oswaldo Cabrera. If he's not truly back yet, then you'd have to deal with bad hitting from him too. And look at what DJ is doing with this extended slump of his. Outside of those two games against the Padres where he started to show some promise of turning it around, he's right back to being awful. And my goal is to not be hard on DJ. You all know, especially if you've been following me for a while, how much I love DJ. But like I said, I don't let, and this is proof of how objective I am that I don't use bias, it's, you need to be objective. You can't sugarcoat crap. The truth is that DJ has been awful at the plate. You have to admit it. Just not a clear-cut solution, so unfortunately it complicates things. At Miss Yankee says no, and DFA him as soon as possible. (laughs) I'm kind of part of that team, but 
if they're going to give him some time, then yeah, I would personally, if I were in charge, of course I am not, neither are any of us, unless you're in the organization listening to this, but I would do that. But if they're going to keep him around, yeah, 4th of July is my cutoff, give or take, I guess. At 7 Trivia says, I hate to say it, but no. Give him a month. Defense is fine. The offense is in doubt. I hope I'm wrong. Yeah, that's that's really the fact. I mean, giving him a month, yeah, it would be give or take the 4th of July, like I said. You don't believe in it like I don't. Defense is fine. Offense is the problem. Yeah, that's that's the deal. And like you, I also hope that I am wrong. Absolutely. At Sean Chalinski says, I think it's about a 40% chance that Donaldson will have a positive impact in the long run this season. So 40%. So more of you is saying that he will not. So 60% of you is saying that he will not have a positive impact. So you were of the no crowd, understood, as am I. Although I do have to say you're probably showcasing more optimism than me at 40. I'm probably at like 10 to 20% to be honest. At C Pizza IA says, with how not good production the Yankees have gotten from third base this year, how not good production, that is a, it's an interesting way of putting it. I'll just say poor production. All right, this is not an English lecture, Mike. Keep reading the reply. <laughs> I think Josh Donaldson gets a long leash. Plus, he knows this could or is his final year, so he wants to go out better than he hit last season. It would also be an improvement over what they have gotten thus far from third base. Yeah, definitely. Definitely from a hitting standpoint, at least, because like we said, main third baseman to this point has more often than not been DJ, and we've seen what's been going on with his bat lately. So, listen, if he could have like an OPS plus of anywhere from like 105 to 110, and he could have an average, I don't know, like 250 or something, just driving runs, have a good RBI count, have a good on-base percentage, just slugging is good if he keeps on hitting home runs and extra base hits on the hole and it's coming through in clutch situations and really making a difference, then fine. I'm more than fine with it. He doesn't have to do a crazy amount. Just contribute regularly and just hope for the health of the rest of the of the team as well. Because when you have... When Bader's back and Judge is okay, when you could look at the lineup being Glaber, Judge, Rizzo, Stanton, DJ, when and if he decides to turn it around... Donaldson, Bader, all of those guys in a row, that's a good batting order. Not particularly in that order in certain areas, but just all of those guys stacked up one after the other. You don't need Donaldson doing a crazy amount, but you do need him to contribute. So, oh, a Nestor update. Oh boy, here we go. All right, so Nestor, it is an injury. Left shoulder's bothering him. Boone hopes that he misses only one or two starts at the most. IL is unsure. Expected to be placed there, but unsure. And there's your Nestor update. And again, at the time you're listening to this, I'm sure you've already heard it. But yeah, guys, that's the Nestor update. So, seems to be some unsuredness between both Nestor and Judge as to their future, or immediate future when it comes to the injured list. It seems like there's more of a chance for Nestor to go to the injured list than Judge, if I had to say. Probably just going to check back with Judge come Tuesday since he's off tonight and then off tomorrow with the off day. And it's just a toe issue, which, I mean, we've seen dire toe issues. Look at DJ last year, how much that messed him up. But they're probably both going to go to the injured list with the luck that the Yankees have. But hopefully at least Judge could dodge it. And listen, this supports something that I've said for a long time as well. 
when it comes to Nestor being hurt again, and yes, he had the hamstring thing earlier in the year around the time of the World Baseball Classic, and call that what you will, whether that was just a phantom thing to prevent him from pitching in the World Baseball Classic or whatnot, but if it was really you have the hamstring, now you have this shoulder issue, which I guess explains the fatigue at the end of the start or why he's having so much trouble around 80 pitches third time through the order. Regardless, though, this continues to be reason as to why, aside from how good he is in general, I am such a Garrett Cole defender. You can go after him all you want for his occasional rough patches. Fact remains, like it or not, he is the guy. He's the ace. And we always talk about it too, even how when he doesn't have his best stuff out there, he grinds, he battles, he fights through it, and gives the best start that he possibly could. Rarely is it that he ever just completely implodes. He fights through it as best as he can, regardless of his pitch count. And more importantly than anything, he's out there every fifth day ready to take the ball and give it his all, rhyming accidentally. But not a single other starter, if you look at it at this point, especially with Nestor now missing at least a start or two, not a single other starter in this rotation can say that, that they're out there every fifth day giving it their all. They're all either going through their rough patches, fighting through injury, not Cole. He's out there doing his thing. That has to be appreciated. And you might say, well, look at it all throughout the game with how injuries are all throughout the game. It's not just specific to the Yankee rotation or the Yankee team overall. Yeah, you're right. But that's even more of a testament to Cole, to be honest. So my point is, don't take him for granted. I've been on this hill for a long time and I'll continue to be there. Go after him all you want for his occasional difficult starts. Because he's going to have him. He's a human being like the rest of us. He is human. But he's out there every fifth day. Regardless of whatever you want to say about him. So, just want to remind everybody of that in light of this news especially. Not to crap on Nestor. He's had his rough bouts this year so far. I still love the guy. He's entertaining. He has good stuff on the mound. He's just experiencing more difficulty this year. And I hope he fights through it and and finds his way. But it also is an opportunity for me to praise Garrett Cole even more. So, that's that. That's the update on Nestor. And, uh, yeah, so it seems pretty unsure as of now, at the time I'm taping in the 6 o'clock hour here on Sunday evening, as to what the fate of him and Judge will be as far as the injured list. It seems, as of this moment, a lot more likely that Nestor will at least land on the injured list for at least... Well, if it'd be the 10-day, then he'd miss two starts, probably. Or at least, nah, maybe just one, because he's due on Wednesday, 10 days, yeah. So, probably just one start, but they did say one or two starts, Boone said. But it seems like it's more likely he's going to the IL, and they just seem really unsure about Judge right now. It just seems to be a real see-how-he-is-on-Tuesday sort of situation. So, that's your update. I'm glad we got that before the recording ended, so... We can have the latest of updates possible here on the show. Like I always say, Sunday is a good day to do the show because a lot of the latest of Yankee news comes out on Sundays. So, that's good. Continuing on with the social media replies, though, guys. We'll continue on. We read a few already. We'll read a few more before wrapping up here. Up next, we have got at Baseball Tzar saying he is in the lineup until today. I hope he is not what he was last year. With our age and injury history, he will play a lot. 
Yeah, and maybe, listen, maybe the other injuries will also allow him to have an even longer leash. That's another factor. Not wrong about that. And yeah, not in today. Maybe he'll, if it's a vital moment, maybe he'll get a pinch hit appearance later on. Um, even with Aaron Judge, Boone didn't necessarily rule out using him later, but especially with the Rizzo situation earlier in the week, I would not bet on it. But yeah, I, I totally agree, especially with the age and injury history. It could extend the leash a little bit, could get a lot more playing time, but yeah, you certainly hope he's not what he was last year with the bat, otherwise that that's bad. At Yankee Ken says, I'd give him six weeks. That's a big enough sample size to see what he has. That's fair. Okay, so a month and a half. So that'd probably take you to give or take the All-Star break. Give or take. So another All-Star break, generally, time span to see what he has. That's fair enough. At Rebirth Chaos 9 says, I have doubt because he's had some moments, but it's been more bad than good. The postseason last year, he was a no-show. Half the team was except for Stanton and Bader. I need to see him do this consistently before I can say he can make an impact. Now, don't forget Rizzo, too, in the playoffs last year. Don't forget. Rizzo was really... I'd say Rizzo even more so than Stanton. But, uh, yeah, Bader was the main guy for sure. But, yeah, he needs to do it consistently. That's the key. It can't be so streaky or mostly bad and just going on the couple of times he came through within a month and a half time span. No, it's got to be consistent. It's got to make a difference. So, yeah, I, I agree. Totally. But, uh, yeah, the... The doubt is real in this area, of course. At Laura underscore Icemont, Laura says, While the first two games have been promising, I need to see more consistency from Donaldson offensively. I'd give him another week of games played so I can confidently say whether he will be an impact or not on the team. Another week only? Wow. So you're strict, Laura. Listen, I respect it because he's had plenty of time over the course of the last year and a half so far. So I don't blame you. But yeah, yesterday's game was definitely different from Friday's game, because Friday's game obviously had the two home runs, one of them off Kershaw. It's awesome. But uh, last night's game, yeah, 0 for 4 with two strikeouts. So kind of back down to earth last night, obviously as tonight off. So we'll see what he does when he's back in the lineup, probably Tuesday. Yeah, we'll see. Tina at MountainGal456 says, It was nice to see him have such a good first game back. We know he's good defensively, but I can't say if this is going to be a consistent thing with him. All I can say is, if it is, it would be huge. Yeah, and like the other reply said before, especially in light of all the injuries the Yankees have had to endure this year, like they have to every year seemingly, but especially in light of all of that, Donaldson being a big factor, <laughs> that'd be huge. It absolutely would be. 100% Tina. So, yeah, we know what the deal is defensively, but we're going to need more than that. Not paying the money that they are, and not having him be in the lineup and be as important of a factor in it as he is just so he could play defense only. You need him to hit. Rebecca at Peace Now for Life says, Hi Mike. Hey Rebecca. It's going to take more than two games to convince me. The home run off of Kershaw was encouraging, but I'll need to see a lot more consistent production. Leash, it's got to be short, especially given what Peraza is doing in AAA. Yeah, that's another factor. We spoke about it, Peraza. And uh, if they'd be willing to put him down at third base if Donaldson's not to work out, that could affect the leash. We spoke about it. 100%. But uh, yeah, the home runs on Friday, encouraging, sure. And you got to tip your cap to it. it was, you know, that's the home run off Kershaw, and then again later on in the game off the Dodgers' bullpen. Good stuff, but it's got to be more consistent. Again, yesterday, 0 for 4, two strikeouts. So consistency is key. Like everyone said, you guys are 100% correct. 
Let us continue on. I want to get to as many people as I possibly can here before we wrap up. Up next is at DBYankees1 saying, I think his leash is far greater than most want it to be. If he hits just a little, he'll be here. I mean, yeah, if he hits at all, yeah, that's welcome, but I'm going to need more than just a little. I want consistent production. Of course, he'll have his off nights. Nobody's going to hit every single night. You know, that's not what human beings typically do in this game. But I need some somewhat consistent contribution. I just, otherwise, it's not worth it. And yes, again, it does complicate things given there's no immediate guaranteed alternative. But you just really, you need him to be consistent. You just need him to be. At Diane Along says, hope he can be at least half the player he used to be. Honestly, half the player he used to be would not be bad at all. (laughs) Because in his MVP days, he was honestly a really good baseball player. I was scared of him in those Toronto Blue Jays days. When he was in the same lineup as, you know, prime Edwin Encarnacion and Jose Bautista. Those were murderous three hitters. Murderous. Bautista, Encarnacion, Donaldson. So if he could be half of that, yeah, absolutely. At one Logan underscore place says, no, because he still can't catch up to high velocity. He hits the ball so high, it's the wind that makes the balls carry. We have high velo that seems to be what's really caused him to swing through a lot of fastballs, even right down the plate the last year and a half. You're right about that. He's got to be able to catch up to those, though. He's got to be. Is he getting too old to keep track of those pitches? Well, maybe. And we'll see how he does with them over the course of uh, however long his leash is at this point, having come back from injury after nearly two whole months. And yes, home runs are usually really high up, so if the wind does contribute to them, it would not be that much of a surprise, to be honest. At Eric Cop 21 says, I think it'll be a better impact than most fans expect. DJ looks shot and clearly cannot play every day. Oswaldo's played third base, and his offense has been brutal, though. If Donaldson can keep up the defense from last year and increase his power, it would be a huge positive. Yeah, it's a big if, though. That's the problem. And how long are you willing to wait for that to happen? That's the question. But like you mentioned, and it's a good point, the alternatives are not so automatic where you could feel really good about just abandoning Donaldson and being like, yeah, that guy's definitely going to work out. It's going to be really good under him. He's shown a lot of promise. DJ hasn't shown promise offensively. Oswaldo has not shown promise offensively aside from the home run he had last night upon immediately being called back. IKF, well, they seem to need him in the outfield right now. Peraza, well, if the organization chooses to just keep on letting him rot in AAA despite his killer performances down there, then he's not an option. So there's no automatic or given. So it's a good point. Not unless the Yankees, of course, wake up and realize that there could be, whether it be Peraza or someone else, but remains to be seen. At 2170 Whitehaven says, IKF plays a gold glove third base and has always been a contact hitter. Josh Donaldson keeps him away from third and his strikeout rate is worrisome. Team is tighter with IKF at third and DJ at second. That way, everyone is used to his teammates and an efficient infield is formed. Well, with your thought process, the problem is, like I said, with Josh Donaldson especially being back again, and I guess this falls on Brian Cashman in the front office for their poor roster construction, but if you're going to have DJ at second and Donaldson at third, then what's happening with Glaber, who's been a solid hitter this year so far? That's the point. And yeah, he has his moments where it's a little annoying that he 
doesn't seem to be all there concentration-wise. We've seen this be a problem with Glaber here and there, whether it be at the plate, on the bases, defensively. We've seen it be a bit of an issue. But nonetheless, you can't ignore what he's done at the plate. It's been pretty good. So what are you doing at that point? That's the issue. You're going to put DJ at second over Glaber when DJ is doing what he is offensively, or I guess it's better put not doing. It's a tough argument to make. So that's the point. A lot of factors at work here. And again, it has to do with the roster construction as well at that point, deciding what to do with all the names at hand here. So, all right, let's just do a couple of more. Up next, at Musician DMD, my good buddy Spencer. Spencer says, I'm in the minority of fans who was not as down on Josh Donaldson as the majority of Yankees Twitter. He's a former All-Star, former MVP, and he still possesses formidable fielding skills. He showed some promise before being put on the injured list and hitting two home runs in his return was a good start. Josh is always motivated to improve from last year, though occasionally counterproductive overall. I do like his intensity. So I'll declare Josh Donaldson will bounce back and be an asset for the Yankees. Well, I'd argue that before the injury, he was really doing much. He only played like a handful of games and he didn't really do that much. Uh, Granted, again, a small sample size, but he really didn't do that much. Former All-Star, former MVP, yeah, that's not debatable. Those days were great. As I just said before, if we get even half of that, that's still good. (laughs) So, and the fielding skills, yeah. Again, I'll give him that, but you're having him here for more than just fielding. We can't deny that any longer. So, it's time we start to see something with the bat. And the two home runs, one of them being off Kershaw Friday, yeah, good sign. Is it going to happen consistently? That's the question, like a lot of others have raised. Intensity only take you so far. You got to actually get results. So, listen, if you believe in him, then more power to you, man. Like I said, even if it disagrees with my personal feelings, I'm never going to crap on somebody else for being positive about a Yankee player, unless it's just completely outrageous and irrational and just toxic positivity. That's another story. But you want to be positive about Donaldson and say that he could help the team? Even if I don't necessarily agree, well, I'm going to hope for the same thing, obviously. So, we'll see. All right, let us finish off with the usual final two. First up, my girlfriend, Vic Salimo. She says, unfortunately, a couple of decent games does not give me confidence in him. With time and consistency, especially offensively, that could change. He needs to prove himself, and until he does, keep him on a short leash. No, it's hard to argue. And... Both games weren't really decent. He went back to, to being Ofer yesterday. So there's that. Friday was really good, but yesterday was was what it was. But yeah, regardless, like you said, a couple of games isn't nearly enough. You got to give him some time. Otherwise, you're just not being reasonable at this point. You could say that you want him DFA to begin with, and that's fine. But while he is around and there's nothing we could do about it, which is the situation right now, he's got to be given some time. And if after a little while he doesn't perform, then... Make your decisions and hopefully hopefully cut your loss at that point. But yeah, consistency, like everyone said, Vic, and you're right, is key. It's key. Last but certainly not least, as always, my mom, Julia Gina Scudero. She says, hi, Mike. Hi, Mom. At the age of 37, I truly don't think Donaldson is worth anything. Even if some home runs are made, it's not something reliable. If they cut Hicks with so much more time left on his contract, Donaldson has little to no time left, and they should do the same. Cut him already before... He throws the team backwards again. That's my take on it. Thanks, Mike. You're welcome, of course. And thank you to all of you who submit your comments, as always, whether it be in open-ended questions like this or on a Q&A asking me stuff. You know that I can't possibly put into words how much I appreciate it. But nonetheless, 
it's tough to uh, argue, Mom. Because again, I'm of the crowd that doesn't believe that he can turn it around, at least significantly. So, yeah, like I said, if some home runs come here and there, yeah, fine. But is it consistent? And are they really helping the team? And is he doing more than just hitting home runs? Because, you know, not all of baseball is just home runs. And we spoke about it, yeah, if they were willing to cut Hicks and just DFA him with multiple years left on the contract and, you know, there's only a few months left on Donaldson's, then, I mean, would the Yankees be willing to do it? I'd say maybe that shows that they could be more willing to do it than we originally thought. But we'll see what happens. I don't blame you for not believing in him. I, I don't. This last year and a half has been a decent amount of evidence to feel that way. So, but with all that being said, guys, amidst the West Coast chaos yet again with it coming to a wrap tonight with the White Sox and Red Sox ahead for this coming week, so both Sox teams <laughs> in the Bronx, other than obviously hoping the Yankees officially take the series against the Dodgers tonight with the game starting somewhat shortly at the time I'm recording, I think we covered everything. <laughs> It's really tough to keep track of because, again, especially with the injuries and the roster stuff, and even more stuff coming out just today with Judge and out of nowhere with Nestor. I mean, nobody saw that coming. That wasn't even a discussion until just a couple of hours ago. I don't know. It's just it's so tough to keep track of. I mean, anybody who does a Yankees podcast, including myself, honestly, hats off to all of us. Let's all give each other good old pat on the back right now because what we have to cover on a regular basis oh my god most others would have a tough time doing I gotta tell you it's exhausting like I said no end to the pain when it comes to the injury crap and it's it is exhausting it really is uh but with that being said my friends I do believe that that is all for episode 184 of yapping Yankees today if you don't already, please be sure to follow me on all socials. Facebook fan page, Mike Scudero and Y. Twitter, at Mike Scudero. And Instagram, MikeScuds97. Subscribe to Yapping Yankees on all four of the platforms it's available on. YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Show your love across all four like you all do such a great job at doing, my good people. And if you've missed any Yapping Yankees episodes, well, do not forget episodes 34 all the way up to today's episode are available on YouTube. And all Yapping Yankees episodes going all the way back to episode one about four years ago. All the way up to today, well, those are available on SoundCloud, Apple, and Spotify. But once again, I thank you 3000 for listening to me yap today. As always, my friends, I have been your host, Mike Scudero, and I will talk to you next Sunday, June 11th, when I come at you with 185, 15 episodes away from 200, guys, of yapping Yankees. Until then, though, you know the deal. Hang in there. Be patient, especially when it comes to the Yankees and their injuries. Stay safe. Look out for your loved ones. Go ahead and kick life's ass this week, my friends. I know I will in light of starting my new job. I'm so excited for it. And let's hope also that everyone who's on the injured list comes back as soon as possible. Let's hope Judge doesn't hit the injured list. Let's hope Nestor's back as soon as possible and ready to go. Gets past his problems with third time through the order. 80 pitches, give or take. Fatigue. Let's just hope for the best all around. I guess that's just the moral of the story, right? (laughs) In any event, though, Let's hope the Yankees take the series against the Dodgers tonight. Let's hope they play well against both Sox teams. All of that good stuff until we meet again next Sunday. 
I'll talk to you then, guys. Take care, and let's go Yanks.